And uh, we're taking a break from our series on Colossians to speak specifically about ministry to kids, to celebrate everything that's been happening here, but then really to talk about the importance of that. And uh, if you're one that's not a parent, not involved in kids' ministries, not a grandparent, you might be thinking, what do kids' ministries have to do with me? I hope by the end of this message that we read uh, everything, everything. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, that there is the opportunity and the joy to impress upon children the truths of Jesus and grow the kingdom through that age range. And so if you open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, uh, we're going to be reading a really important passage today uh, as we see the disciples being taught by Jesus the importance of children, that there's no better place for children than in the arms of Jesus. And we know that children in and of themselves are precious, and there's just a joy of working with kids who are seeing uh, the world through a fresh set of eyes. There's this different perspective, and if you've worked with kids, you know that there's some fun stories that, that pop up and, and things you hold on to, like the Sunday school teacher who was uh, teaching about Mary and Joseph uh, bringing Jesus to Jerusalem to have the uh, rites done. And, and the teacher asked the kids, why do you think Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, baby Jesus with them to Jerusalem? And one of the kids raises their hands and says, well, because they couldn't find a babysitter. <laughs> you have another one who is teaching on the Ten Commandments and talks about the importance of honoring your father and mother and asks the kids, is there anything, any commandment that might teach you how you should relate to your brother or sister? And without skip- skipping a beat, one of the kids says, thou shall not kill. But we know that there's just more to them just being precious in and of themselves. They're precious to the church. And as Caden, uh, you basically spoke half of my sermon today, had, had said that kids are disciples as much as anyone else. In fact, uh, research is showing us that 85% of adults who are practicing Christians in the U.S. came to faith in Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. It's a pivotal age, and in every way they are, in fact, the future of the church. They're not stowaways, they're not tag-alongs, but this is an important and a crucial ministry for the future of the kingdom. But as we'll be reading today in Mark chapter 10, that kids, children are precious to him, and they are precious to the kingdom. They belong there as much as anyone else. So if you are open now to Mark 10, we'll read together, but let me just pray very quickly as we get into the text. So Lord, I just I pray that you would just speak to us now and thinking about kids and their future and, and just their souls, God. They belong to the kingdom just like anyone else, that they are precious in the sight of Jesus. So just help us today, God, that you would teach us and, and just that we'd be renewed in our commitment to raising up this generation. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Starting at verse 13 in Mark 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive... The kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the little children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, as we read this, there's a lot we can take away. And and the first, as we see this 
bad example by the disciples is, is an application for us as believers, specifically adult believers, to examine our actions and our perceptions of children. Now, we see this moment where people were bringing these little children to Jesus that he would bless them. And this was not uncommon in the ministry of Jesus, that as his, uh, as his perception grew or as his, uh, people knew more about him and, and what he could do, there would be droves of people who would be hurting and, and needy, sick and broken, who wanted to be blessed by Jesus. And it could get chaotic. So one of the roles of the disciples was, were actually to, to act as gatekeepers to Jesus or, or like bouncers where they'd keep people in order and ensure that everyone could come to see him. But something interesting happened here that the disciples believed that the children were not important, that Jesus was too busy for the children and that there was no value in them. That these people, probably parents or older siblings, knew who Jesus was and wanted him to bless the kids. But the disciples rebuked them. And that's, that's a pretty sharp and severe reaction. It's the way you would rebuke the devil or rebuke a false teacher. And they were seeing these children through the societal lens. That these children, and that in this, uh, in this Greek means anything from infant to preteen, that they were insignificant and that Jesus would only be bothered by them. But if we're not careful, we can fall into that same misunderstanding as, as believers. And in many churches, children's ministry is often an afterthought. Uh, there's research that shows that finding volunteers in a church is hard in and of itself, but the one area that's consistently short of volunteers is children's ministry. And that's why I'm so thankful and blessed to be in a church like this that really values things like kids' ministries. But we have to understand that we ourselves are like those disciples. That for the kids, we're like the gatekeepers. That as adults, we can usher children to the arms of Jesus, or we can put up obstacles that keep them from him. The disciples rebuked these parents for that, and Jesus had an equal or greater response to the disciples. He was not happy with that mentality to consider these children insignificant. So we see in verse 14 that when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, this is an emotion of Jesus we don't often see. This really means angry, and, and no, this is righteous anger. But this is actually the strongest word of emotion, of anger, used in the Gospels for Jesus. He was upset at what these disciples were doing. In the same way, he'd be upset with us if we're keeping children from Jesus. And so he ushers them a two-fold command. Let them come to me, or in other words, start allowing them to come to me, and do not hinder them, or stop preventing them. This is really how we examine ourselves. Is there anything that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Start doing it to bring these kids to Jesus. Or is there anything I am doing that I should stop doing? Stop doing that. And whether it's active or it's passive, I think it's part the same, uh, it's different sides of the same root problem. And that we're not recognizing the value and the importance of kids. Now, we are, in many ways, a church that's centered around missions, about connecting people with God. We do that locally. We do that globally. And if you know missions, you know the concept of the 1040 window. 
And that's something back in 1990, a Christian researcher and strategist by the name of Luis Bush did much research around the world and found that in the areas of the Eastern Hemisphere between the 10th and the 40th parallel, this is Northern Africa, Southern Asia, that's the highest concentration of unreached people in the entire world. And so if we should focus our efforts anywhere to really make it count, it should be here. And so in a concerted effort of all the different churches around the world, they sent many missionaries to that geographic window. And, and the majority of the missionaries we support are actually still in that window. And it worked. Over 15 years from 1990 to 2005, the number of Christians doubled in that area. But in 2010, he said there's a new window we need to pay attention to. He called it the 414 window. And this was not geographic, but as demographic. It was the age. That only 10% of people around the world, and there's 2.5 billion kids between the age of 4 and 14, probably more now, only 10% or maybe less have heard the gospel of Jesus. And the statistics are not much different in the U.S. than they are around the world. This is the single most uh, important window or focus when it comes to demographic age to reach people with the gospel. It's a great opportunity. And that goes without saying that we shouldn't disregard all other ages. Anyone can come to Jesus at any age, as Caden said. But children's ministry, even with this recognition, is, is often the last priority in many churches, simply because I, I think we have the same uh, attitude as the disciples that they're not valuable, that they are insignificant. In other research, we see that ages 18 to 35 are often the missing generation in the church, and it's been that way for decades, all the way back to the 60s, but decade after decade, that gap is growing, and now the millennials, which are the bulk of that age range, are largely missing from church, even though most of them grew up in the church. So you have to start asking questions, and the question we often ask is, what do we do to get them in the church now? Do we put up more flashing lights and fog machines? Do we offer a different brand of coffee? Do we give them a $100 bill that comes through the door? Well, those are good questions, but I think it's the wrong question. The question we should be asking is, what didn't we do then, when they were in the church? It's the question we should be asking for the kids who are in our church now. How do we get them to stay? What opportunity did we miss? I think we need to learn to make the opportunities count. Now, there's a, a book I'm reading through now. Uh, I'd already referred it to Pastor Phil. I think the CE committee is reading through it. It's called Faith for Exiles. And I'd re I would refer it to you as well, even after just reading one chapter in it. It's really about raising a new generation in Christ, in a world where they're not going to hear it anywhere else. The church is the only place they'll hear about Jesus. And we look at the amount of input that's going into kids' life now. Uh, there's between anywhere 50 to 70 hours of digital input in their lives. So that's screen time, that's, that's things happening at school. And, and if it's outside of the church, it's extremely unlikely to be Christ-centered or they're going to have some misconstrued view of Jesus. So I saw a pie graph in that book. It looked about this big. And then they showed the amount of input that happens from those who are in, the kids who are in the church, maybe one to two hours a week, which is about that big. And so you have this much input with no focus on Jesus, and this much input with a focus on Jesus. It's like David and Goliath. 
But how did David defeat Goliath? He made his one shot count. He made it count, and that's our job as a church. Is when we have kids in the church now, ages 4 to 14, you make it count. And you lead them to Jesus. You put him in his arms. And if there's anything you're not doing to do that, start doing that. If there's anything you are doing to prevent that, stop doing that. And take the same double-sided rebuke of Jesus to the disciples now in your own life. There's a golden opportunity for missions right here in our church. And we can learn a lot from them. It will enrich your faith. And Jesus said that the children belong to the kingdom of God and, and that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. There's much to say about childlike faith, the wonder of the world, where anything is possible. God can do anything. I mean, you can steal a nose right off of the face of a child. You ever done that before? And they believe you. Well, that's their view of God, is that God can do anything, and they're not restrained by the logic and the skepticism that us adults are. There's this humility and a joyfulness from them. But more than anything, when you think about a child, and, and now raising a child who's three and a half, I understand this cycle. I understand what I did to my parents and what everyone has gone through. Is that when a child is born, they offer you nothing but joy. That all material and emotional and economical and relational equity is on the parent. The child doesn't help with the dishes. They can't mow the lawn. They don't check with your schedule before they interrupt you. And yet you have joy in loving them. And as they grow older, they understand that no one is more important or loving than mom and dad. Well, that's the way we're supposed to approach Christ and his kingdom. Knowing that there's nothing we can give. That we are weak and helpless. That we come in utter humility and total dependence on Christ. And over time, we understand that he loves us anyway. And so when we mature, we can love him back. Children teach us a tremendous deal about Jesus and his kingdom. And we often forget it as we grow older. And we see Jesus put his words into action that he took these kids in his arms. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. And blessing has many different connotations, both in the present but more in particular to the future. That blessing really is, is, is speaking a future into them or giving them a future that they would not otherwise have. And I think Jesus understood that while he was pressing in his disciples now, a generation was going to carry the torch after them. And that was the children he was holding in his arms. And the future is often mysterious. We never quite know what it looks like. We often wonder about it. But if you wonder what the future of the church looks like, I can tell you right now, it, it has faces and names. It's the ones we saw on the screen this morning. It's the ones who are downstairs right now. And our job, our opportunity, is to impress upon them the truths of God. We help create the future of the church. And many people know what we refer in the Old Testament as the Shema. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be in your hearts. It's a wonderful passage, but we forget the verse that comes immediately after that. Teach them to your children. Everything you know should be passed on to the children. This is not speaking to the parents. This is speaking to Israel. This is speaking to the community. And we have the opportunity now to pass on everything we know to the next generation. That as a church, we can say, here's everything God taught me through my successes and maybe more valuable through my failures. I want to teach this to you. I want to teach you the wisdom and the understanding that God has given me that you kids can now take the keys to the church one day and do it better than me. Do it better than us. We help create the future by impressing upon them everything God has taught us. I wish I had another 20 minutes today. Because this is something I think is important for all of us to remember, but as we go away, I just want to leave a few, a few things with you. And, and first is, is to know, to examine yourself. Uh, is there anything you're not doing that you should be doing? And is there everything that you are doing that you should stop when it comes to bringing children to Jesus? And there are things we can be doing that are quite simple, and first is to pray for them. Now, this is really how the kingdom is built, is, is through prayer. And so pray for the kids, pray for the parents, Pray for the volunteers and build relationships with them. Maybe through the parents, just find out more about the kids, what kind of activities they're in. And you know, it goes a really long way as a big, scary adult to go to those kids because I guarantee you they're more scared of you than you are of them. But to go to them and say, hey, how was your wrestling meet last week? How was your band concert? Ask them about those things and that will impact them more than you will ever know. Maybe think about how you can volunteer and be a part of that kingdom growth. There's many opportunities to invest and to pass on that torch. And as God is opening up those opportunities to you, like David, make your shot count. Because if they don't hear about Jesus from you, from the church, they certainly won't hear it out there. You may be the only person that shares Jesus with them in their life. But the example of Jesus is clear. We're to understand the value of these kids, to place all we know in them and trust them with it, that they may be the future, that they belong nowhere else but in the arms of Jesus. Pray with me as we close. Lord, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity that whether we have our own kids or grandkids or, or not, we're part of a community with kids, and we have this chance to invest in them. So I just I thank you for everyone that's a part of that here. For the, the, the things we heard from the kids today in the video, it's just amazing to know that there is truth being planted in them. We just pray, God, you would make that grow, that the future of the kingdom is bright because we know there's nothing that can overtake it. God, that you're at work and that there's many things ahead. So help us to look with that same optimism and hope of the future that these kids do, that we may be a part of their faith journey. So we thank you for this. We pray this all in your name. Amen.